0: Welcome to Lead On. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, where once again, we're having a practical conversation about issues related to ministry leadership. If you're new to this program, we're not really a preaching program. We're more of a teaching show that talks about what it means to take the biblical and theological information that undergirds our faith and apply it to some of the practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now, you're listening to this program, uh, if you're hearing it on the day it first airs, on Sunday Sunday, Easter Sunday. What a high and holy day that is. A wonderful day, really, of church celebration, family gatherings, and so much that goes into making Easter such a high and holy day for us every year on the Christian calendar. I want to talk today about making the most of Easter, particularly from the perspective of church leaders, how we can maximize all aspects of Easter for the best impact, not only in our churches, but also in God's kingdom. Now, it might have been better if I had done this program about six or eight weeks ago so that you could think through some of what I'm going to talk about today and actually put it into practice for this Easter Sunday and for the weeks following. It may be a little too late this year to implement all the things I'm going to talk about today, but... Having Easter fresh in our minds today will help us to underscore the importance of maybe making some notes and putting into practice some of what we're going to talk about today as we plan for next Easter and all the things that go along with ministry during this season of the year. First, a couple of just general observations about Easter as it relates to church ministry. First of all, Easter is for almost every church, the largest attendance day of the year. People come out in droves for Easter Sunday services. In fact, so many that a lot of churches have to have multiple services on Easter when they normally may only have one, and those multiple services may even spill over into other days, meaning that there's Easter services on Saturday night and some churches even stretching them into Friday night uh, capturing the good friday service as a similar service to easter instead of a distinct service as it was held for as it is held in many other churches so easter sunday is the largest church attendance day of the year and because of that it brings with it a lot of opportunity for us in ministry leadership A second positive observation about Easter from a ministry leadership perspective is that it's typically the day when we expend the most effort to get the most unsaved or unchurched or unbelieving part of our community to attend a worship service or to participate in something related to the ministry of our church. Now we expend this significant effort because of what I've already said that Easter is typically the highest attendance day of a church throughout the year. And so because of that, we want to capitalize on that natural momentum and see if we can't do other things that really do attract the unchurched or the unsaved or unbelievers from our community into not only a worship service, but if not there, at least into something meaningful that connects them to the ministry of our church, like a children's activity or a breakfast or a brunch or something like that. Another observation about Easter from a ministry leadership perspective is it really gives a church a rallying moment, if you will, to excel in its ministry and to demonstrate the best of what it can be week by week in ministry leadership. Uh, For a number of years, I was a church planter and a pastor in that context, and our goal each year was to use Easter— as a springboard, if you will, to catapult us forward into greater effectiveness as a church. Uh, We would try to do many things special on Easter that then became normal for us over the following months, and that, that way we used every Easter season to push us forward into new vistas of excellence or to new methods of operation or just to new ways of doing things. So these are some positive observations about Easter from a ministry leadership perspective. It's the largest attendance of most churches per year. Uh, It's the opportunity to have the most unsaved, unchurched unbelievers from the community gather with us, and it really gives a church a rallying moment to demonstrate what it can really do as it excels in ministry. Now, in that context, there are also some concerns I'd like to address. One of my concerns is... That despite the size of the attendance and the number of new people and the number of non-Christians who may be in the, in the crowd, we often fail to capitalize fully on this opportunity to reach new people with the gospel. So the failure to capitalize on the opportunities that an Easter crowd presents are one of the concerns I'd like to address today on the show. A second concern is that Easter, because of the effort that we put into it, often has a great drain on our staff and volunteers. By this I mean that it drains them spiritually, it drains them emotionally. It really takes a lot out of people to put on all the extra stuff that we cram into the Easter weekend and into our Easter Sunday services. So another concern about Easter is that the special aspects of it can really drain staff and volunteers and all that work to make Easter so special. And then a third concern I have is that because it's a rallying moment where we can really excel, it can also be a time when we create unrealistic expectations of what can be done week to week in church ministry leadership. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with excelling and trying to do things at a really high quality or a really high level. But when we do that on Easter, it can can cause people to wonder, well, why can't this be done every Sunday? And dealing with that expectation can be challenging. So I've made some general observations about some of the positive aspects of Easter and some of the concerns that come out of those aspects. Now, let me see if I can give you some thoughts about how to make the most of Easter as you plan, maybe not so much for this year because we've already had Easter, we're in the context of it this season, but maybe as you think about, okay, what did we do this year? What did we do right? What can we learn? What can we do better next time? How can we start a file, if you will, of ideas and insights and reminders that will make next year's Easter season and Easter celebration so much more impactful for our church? Number one, have a thorough follow-up plan for guests and casual attenders and participants in your Easter events. Now, this can be as simple As remembering to find a way to register people for those events, asking for people to give you their name, their phone number, their email address, or maybe even their physical address when they come for the event. Of course, this can be done by using a card of registration like in a worship service or maybe something that you ask people to fill out as their children come into an Easter egg hunt experience or something like that, or maybe even having people sign up online through some kind of portal that gives you a registration record of who's participating in a brunch or a lunch or some kind of other Easter event or Easter activity. It's interesting to me how easy it is to spend a lot of time planning to attract unbelievers or to attract the unchurched to an event and then forget to gain any kind of information from them that would enable you to have any meaningful follow-up with them. Now, when I talk about meaningful follow-up or a thorough follow-up plan for guests, attenders, and participants, this can mean a lot of different things depending on your context. In some communities, this means an immediate in-person follow-up visit. Now I recognize that in some places that might seem a little too forward or a little too much, but in many places it's not considered inappropriate to go to someone's home, knock on the door, and say, "Thank you for coming to our church today," or "Thank you for allowing your children to come to our uh, egg hunt this last Sunday," or "Thank you for attending this brunch that we hosted uh, for ma or, or for our people in our community." Thank you for this and. We want you to know how much we appreciated you coming and want to know if there's any other way we can serve you as a church. So that's one kind of follow-up. But there's lots of other kinds. Uh, There's electronic follow-up with either emails or phone calls. Uh, There's uh, sending a small gift or having a gift delivered to someone. There's all kinds of ways to acknowledge that a person participated in something that your church hosted or that your church did. But When I talk about a thorough follow-up plan, I mean more than an initial contact. I mean that you have a plan whereby you're going to contact people, not just one time, but periodically over a period of time as you try to build a relationship with them and facilitate their continued involvement with your church and with the ministries of your church. So having a thorough follow-up plan begins with gaining uh, some, pra- some uh, personal information from the people who participate, and being intentional about making sure that happens with either a card or an electronic registration vehicle or some means by which you gain the information that you need. And then it it begins with an intentional follow-up contact, but more than that, and much more than that, it really continues on with several periodic contacts after that until you feel like you've done all you can do to reach this new person with the gospel and for your church. Now, I've worked here in the Western United States for a long time, and especially in communities where people are not yet Christians and have very little access to God or the gospel and very little participation or reference of participation in church over the years. In those contexts, it takes more than one Contact with a person or more than one outreach to a person. Typically, it takes multiple contacts over several months to really establish the relationship and get the, the person feeling that they're connected to and want to facilitate a greater relationship with you or with your church. So, a thorough follow up plan is the first suggestion I would make to making the most of Easter as you go forward. Now, a second thing is that while you're attracting so many new people on an Easter, Don't feel like you have to get everything done with them on that day. So the second suggestion I have is to promote new initiatives that appeal to and attract the community by launching them on Easter or by publicizing them on Easter or beginning the registration for them on Easter. For example, uh, when I was a pastor, I always tried to start a new sermon series on Easter. And I tried to have that sermon series going those Sundays after Easter to be something that was particularly uh Uh, engaging for the community, like parenting or marriage or some community issue or aspect of issues that were being dealt with in the public arena right now. I always announced that for the next three to four weeks after Easter, I'd be preaching on those themes, knowing that many people who came on Easter did not normally participate in our church or access weekly uh, uh, my messages, and I wanted to give them something that they knew in the next few weeks would be very practical and applicable to them as an enticement or as an opportunity for them to come back to our worship services. Beyond that, Easter's a good day to launch things like parenting conferences, uh, financial freedom courses or finance training courses, or even involvement for training people in mission projects or getting people involved in ministry and mission outside your church. Now, promoting these new initiatives on Easter doesn't mean that you have to start the first session on Easter. In fact, I'd strongly discourage that. But it does mean that you use the crowd that's gathered on Easter and the momentum that Easter gives you to promote the launch of these new initiatives and to show people, especially on Easter when you have the largest crowd possible in your in your facility, show people how Focused you are on meeting needs and how focused you are on the community and how much you want the church to address concerns they have. So, have a thorough follow up plan and, second, promote new initiatives. Third, make the Easter day experience or the Easter weekend experience a positive experience for everyone and recognize the stress, recognize the stress that's often associated with Easter, especially among people who don't typically attend worship services and now find themselves trying to pull everything together to be there, and many people also who participate in leading all the Easter events and the extra stress and tension that brings to them. You want to make the day as positive as possible for everyone. Now, here's a couple of stories to illustrate the opposite of what I mean. A number of years ago, I was working in a church where I had some good deacons that were serving with me, and I wanted them to take more leadership responsibility in the public worship services. And so I was training these deacons how to do things like lead in public prayer, how to make announcements that were, you know, insightful and informative, how to give the welcome to guests during a worship service and to make people feel glad that they were part of our service, that kind of thing. Well, I'd been training this one deacon on how to give a good welcome, and so I gave him the responsibility on Easter Sunday to stand up and welcome everyone to the worship service. And this is what he said. Well, we'd like to thank all of you for coming today, especially those of you who've never seen the church if it wasn't decorated with red. Well, he was trying to be funny and make some joke about Christmas and Easter only people, church decorated in red. But it fell on deaf ears. And what was up until that moment in the worship service, a pretty warm and invigorating experience, became a little bit cold as my deacon friend smacked everybody across the face who hadn't been there since Christmas when he made his comment about, well, we're glad you're here, especially those of you who've never seen the church when it wasn't decorated in red. (laughs) Yeah, not a good day. Then another time. I was working as a denominational executive by this time, and on a Monday morning after Easter, a pastor called me and said, well, I need to talk to somebody, and your phone number is the first one that came to mind. I said, go ahead. He goes, you're not going to believe what happened to my church yesterday. I said, well, it was Easter. I hope it was something good. He said, not so much. Well, what happened was the choir was putting on a major worship production. The Sunday school had planned a major evangelistic appeal through their Sunday school lessons. The Sunday school teachers were taught that week to teach their lesson, but in the the last 15 minutes of the class, to really focus on the gospel and inviting people to commit themselves to faith in Jesus Christ. Well, the choir, not knowing about this special emphasis, encouraged all of their members to leave their Sunday school classes 15 minutes early and assemble to practice for their final practice before going on stage for the production. Well, you know what happened. Right when the Sunday school teachers all simultaneously around the building got to the key part of their lesson where they were all starting to build up to the gospel and ask people to receive Christ, all the musicians and choir people and all the technical people got up and started walking out of Sunday school classes. Well, the Sunday school director heard about it. And she marched herself down the center aisle of the church about one minute before the service began Easter crowd packed into the room and she screamed at the top of her lungs to get the choir director's attention and made some very disparaging remarks about this choirs, uh, leaving the Sunday school classes early. And the way the pastor described it to me was several hundred people just sat down and watched the show as these two women screamed at each other on their stage. Listen, Neither of these experiences are making Easter a positive experience and as positive as possible experience. One of them made Easter a very negative experience for the guests who were coming, the attenders who were not regularly in the worship service, the lost and unsaved and unchurched that had been invited to the service. The other one, made for a very difficult and negative experience for church members who had poured their heart and soul into making Easter a special occasion, and both the Sunday school leaders and the worship leaders all felt hurt by what happened in front of so many people on that Sunday morning. Making Easter a positive experience for everyone means that we recognize the stress and tension that's created by the day, and we work hard to alleviate those things and not let them dominate what we're trying to accomplish. Well, a fourth idea today comes out of that last story I just told you, and that is build in recovery time for your staff and key volunteers from the exertion that they put out to make Easter happen. A number of years ago, I noticed a pattern in our church that the Sunday after Easter was usually what I would describe as flat. It just lacked the same uh, energy that Easter Sunday had. In fact, it was worse than that. We had a significant slump emotionally on the Sunday after Easter. We were spiritually drained and emotionally depleted. Uh, We had poured every bit of energy we had into planning and executing Easter, and there just wasn't much left over for the Sunday after. So I started this pattern. Uh, After Christmas in January, when we started planning for that Easter Sunday Sunday, Uh, With our team, I would ask this question What are we planning to happen in our church on the Sunday after Easter? And they would all roll their eyes and say something like, Oh man, we're just thinking about Easter. How can we think about the Sunday after Easter? And I would say, That's exactly my point. I want a plan for the Sunday after Easter. And I'm not going to have a discussion of the Easter plan until we have that plan. Because it's very important that we not have this huge slump after Easter. Now, most of the church leadership that I'm talking to today that, uh, that experiences this depletion are volunteers. Staff certainly experience it, but volunteers even more. So what do you do? Does that mean that you don't have any big thing happen on Easter? No, not at all. It just means that you make a plan to build in recovery time for your staff and key volunteers so that the Sunday after Easter is not this depletion Sunday, but that it's a Sunday that's special in its own right. A couple suggestions. One of the things I did as a pastor was used a lot of outside guests on the Sunday after Easter. That's a good Sunday to invite an outside worship team to come and give leadership. Why? Because if they're coming from outside, they're probably coming with an excitement about being in your church and an energy that they'll bring to the task. And it gives your leaders a break while you're using others to step into this moment and to bring the energy, to bring the intensity that you need on that particular Sunday. Same thing could be said for children's workers and others who put on special events for Easter Sunday. Why not the Sunday after Easter plan a video-driven Sunday school Sunday or a video-driven Bible study experience? Or make that the Sunday that you bring in an outside mission team of teenagers from a, a local high school or college students from a local college and let them put on all of your children's or youth programs that particular Sunday. With just a little bit of advanced planning, you can make the Sunday after Easter really special, and give all of your key leaders and all of your staff the break they need after pouring their heart and soul into what happened on Easter Sunday. Now, this might also be a day, the day after, the Sunday after Easter, for a guest speaker. However, uh, I'd be careful about this because that first Sunday after Easter is when you're hoping a lot of those guests are going to come back. And you want them to come back and reconnect with you as the pastor or reconnect with your pastor as the speaker and not so much be uh, having to adjust to a guest on that particular Sunday. So I'm not saying it shouldn't be done or it can't be done. I'm just saying you need to think that one through really well before you use that Sunday after Easter as a Sunday for the pastor to not be present and speaking. So build in recovery time for staff and key volunteers. And then finally, preach shorter if you're the pastor and preach the gospel. Now, this may seem counterintuitive. You may say, no, uh, these are the this, th- this is the crowd that I have that's not Christian. They don't come to church. They need to hear the gospel. And boy, that is exactly true. But that doesn't mean you have to preach for 45 minutes to an hour to get that message communicated. Let me tell you some other things to remember about your Easter Sunday crowd. First, they're wearing clothes that usually aren't that comfortable, and they're not used to wearing them, especially if they don't come to church week by week by week. Second, uh, they're in a strange place. They don't, always, they don't always come to church, and they're not sure they even feel comfortable being here today. Third, they're, they're trying to control their kids who are all jacked up on Easter candy. They've been eating it since they got up this morning. And, and frankly, uh, it's, it's challenging just to keep them from climbing all over the pews and all over the chairs and all over the parents during the service. Yeah, it's not exactly a crowd that's ready for a super long sermon with a lot of technical detail packed into it. I used to preach that way on Easter, and then I stopped. And instead, I actually started preaching shorter sermons on Easter, but started preaching much more pointed messages declaring the gospel, especially declaring the power of the resurrection and what it means in the lives of people who desperately need to hear that message of hope. Well, Easter Sunday's a big deal. We've been sharing it on this particular Easter and it's been a draining and fulfilling and maddening and celebrating day, all wrapped up in one. Some of my suggestions today are about how to make the most of Easter. This year may be too late for putting these things all into practice, but it's not too late to start a file make a plan, and get ready for next year so that next Easter will be the greatest day of ministry your church has ever known. I know you can do it as you put your mind to it and you lead on. As a way of thanking you for listening to Lead On, we'd like to give you a free copy of my new book, Shadow Christians, Making an Impact When No One Knows Your Name. I've signed 10 of these, and we're giving them away to the first 10 people who contact us at gs.edu backslash shadow go to that website make connection with us we'll send you a free book